morning, everyone, and welcome to worship this morning. Glad that you are joining us today here at Generations Community. And just a reminder that you are the church where you are. The word says that where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of them. Uh, and so you're having church right there in your home. We're glad that you're with us. Before we get started, though, a couple of things I do kind of want to talk about uh, this morning. Uh, one of them is, if you heard yesterday, or two days ago, Friday, we, uh, we went into phase two in Snohomish County. And so that means we have a few more options. Uh, so just to let you know, I'm going to put some more information out about this. But just real briefly, in phase two, we are going to try and do um, either parking lot worship or on the worship on the lawn. Now, the worship on the lawn, we can't do if it's raining or it's rained too much the days before that because it gets soggy out there. But on the weekends where it's nice, we're going to do worship out on our lawn. And we're limited to 100 people, so there'll be some complications with that. We'll roll out some information to you. But on the Sundays we don't do that, we're going to do uh, parking lot worship, which means you can come uh, and see one another and, and wave to each other in the cars and then take your Wi-Fi. Uh, the church will have some special super-duper Wi-Fi set up and and you can watch it on your phone or your iPad or even a laptop if it has a good battery or you can plug it in uh, as well and the worship team will be here and we're going to start coming to you live right from the sanctuary uh, like we did before so I'd encourage you uh, to be a part of that Uh, just also we're going to need some volunteers in order to pull both parking lot and uh, worship on the lawn off uh, because we're going to need some people to direct we need parking greeters Uh, not security but greeters we need security too but not but but we need people that are welcoming and friendly and will help people find the right place uh, to to be a part of that. Also, at the end of this service, this is the first Sunday of the month, we're going to celebrate communion together. So I would uh, encourage you, if you haven't yet, to uh, get some bread and some juice together so that we can take communion together as a church, even though we're physically separated. And then just last of all, um, don't forget on our app, you can actually get the notes with the fill in the blanks uh, as well on that place. And so if you're a note taker, you can actually fill it in, I think, right on the right on your phone or right on uh, whatever app you're using with all of that. Encourage you uh, to go ahead and do that. Um, I I was going to preach a different sermon. I had a different sermon planned uh, for this Sunday. But as, as the week's last week or so has gone on and we've kind of seen all the things that are going on in our nation, I just felt the Holy Spirit directing me in a little bit different direction. Uh, and, and so I'm going to change up what I'm going to talk about. And what I want to uh, talk about is the body of Christ and oneness. The body of Christ and oneness. Um, because we are a nation divided uh, by all kinds of things these days. We're divided by politics. Uh, we're divided by COVID-19. Everybody's got a different idea and plan and feels really strongly about it. We're divided over race relations. Uh, we've got rioting and looting going on. Uh, there's inflammatory language happening uh, and a lot of fear. Uh, and and there, we've kind of fallen into the them and us kind of a thing, you know. Uh, and in this kind of idea that if you don't agree with me, you're, you're my enemy. Uh, and, and so um, I, I want to address that specifically a, a little bit. And this is something I feel really strongly about, um, especially when it circulates around some of these other issues with race. Uh, if you read my post this last week um, about where I used to live and, and, and being in a place where the white people were the minority, uh, I learned a lot in that uh, time. And so um, I, I kind of want to talk about how we bring this together theologically. I don't want to talk about the politics and that, but uh, the theology really matters uh, to me. And in fact, uh, let me kind of say it like this. What God reveals as truth through his word trumps everything else. What God reveals as truth through his word 
trumps everything else, okay? Uh, and I just, this is one of those things where I'm not very flexible about this because I believe this with all of my heart. Uh, neither political party gets it all right. And that means your political party and the other one, neither one of them get it right, okay? Uh, and so the, the question has to be, what does God's word have to say about all of this? That should always be our question when we're making decisions in life and, and all of that. What does God's word have to say? Let's start there. Don't start with the politics. Don't start with your past experiences or your feelings. Start with what God's word says, and then we'll work towards that, and the spirit of the living God will help us uh, get to that, that place. And so uh, I want to take us uh, this morning to uh, Ephesians uh, chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, um, and, and I need to set this up for you because in, in Ephesus, uh, the Apostle Paul's writing to a church that's wildly diverse, okay? Uh, there, there are a good number of Jews there, but there are also Greeks there, and there are also Romans. A lot of them were, uh, it was a place where a lot of Roman soldiers would retire to was was Ephesus. And so it's a wildly diverse kind of place, and there are a lot of tensions, and a lot of what we would think of as racial tensions, in fact, in there. Uh, And it's into that context, uh, much like we face today, that that Paul uh, writes these words. So uh, listen to these in that context. Ephesians 4, 2 through 6, it says this, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You get the message here? Oneness. One, one, one. Not a whole bunch of stuff. One. We are one with the Father and with each other. We are siblings in Christ Jesus, and that's a really big deal in, in Scripture. It's an important one. Um, and so uh, when Paul is, is writing this, this oneness, one, 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 uh, it's important to remember that they were struggling with this. And so let me just kind of make an application uh, directly out of this, uh, and that is this. Racism isn't just bad. It's a sin against God. It's a sin. It's a sin. It's a sin. And, and in fact, this is not new. And if you look at uh, a lot of the pastoral uh, epistles, the pastoral letters, a lot of times that they're dealing with this issue of the struggle between the Jews and, and the Gentiles, whether it was Greeks or Romans or, or some other group, there was this constant racial sort of tension going on. And so I, I just want to say to you that the tension over this in the church is not, is not a new thing. But God has a very particular perspective about it, okay? Uh, and so uh, Paul, in fact, does this in a number of places because he was the missionary. So he was living in different cultures and doing all those sorts of things. In fact, get this, Paul had to confront Peter over racism. When the Jews came, he, before that he'd been eating with the Gentiles, but when the Jews came in, he, he stopped doing that and he sat with the others. And, and that, that's kind of a devastating sort of thing to read about Peter, who was the leader of, of the church. But it's interesting that Paul was the right one. He confronted him. In fact, he kind of says he kind of got in his face uh, about all of that, which I always think was interesting because the reports we have is that Paul was a short, kind of skinny guy, and Peter was a great big kind of fisherman. And so sometimes I think he probably got up on a chair and got right in his face about it. You know, I, I, I don't know what happened, but, but, but it's an important deal for them. I, I want to read to you another verse that we're going to talk about. Galatians 3.29, it says, 
Uh, and this, this, so we're now, Galatians, we talked uh, earlier about what was going on, and now this is uh, later on in this. Um, and so uh, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That's the racial thing. There's neither slave nor free. That's the station in life thing. Nor is there male and female. Okay? That's the gender thing. For you are all one in Christ. And so discriminating based on race or social distancing or gender, all of that is a sin. That is not what God, God wants for us. See, everyone is created in the image of God. And, and this is the core principle that comes right out of Genesis. Everyone you lock eyes with, everyone you've ever seen, everyone you've ever shook hands with, everyone you've ever shook your head at is made in the image of Christ. And we are brothers and sisters. Now, some of them are far from God, and they need to come home, kind of the prodigal son sort of thing. But, but they are a part of, of God's family. And, and that is the core principle about these issues uh, in Scripture is oneness. Uh, oneness, oneness, oneness. Say oneness. Okay, uh, so let me unpack this a, a little bit uh, for you as we kind of look at the particulars of it. So um, the, what, what's going on is, is the attacking and killing of people. That, that isn't just bad. It's a sin against God. Okay, I shouldn't have to say that, but, but you know, I, just, I need to say that because we're kind of talking about this issue. I need to be very clear about that. Whether it's killing people of color or it's killing cops, we've had some of that going on. We're against it, you know. Whether it's killing mom and pa kettle down the, the street, okay, that, 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 that it's a sin. It's just a sin. There, there's one little kind of exception in that, uh, and that's it's called the greater good argument. But it is to take, the life, take someone's life to preserve an innocent life. Uh, and that's, that's where police are sometimes in, involved with that. And, and that's not a moral problem. But in general, and only to save another life, can a, can a life be saved. That taking a life is, is uh, attacking and killing people isn't just bad, it's a sin, okay? Um, and then uh, stealing and destroying uh, another person's property, that, that isn't just bad, that's a sin against God as well. Hopefully we can all agree about that, okay? Um, and so... That, that context, uh, both sides, it, it's, it's an issue there. And I, and I kind of want to speak into this and, again, make some application uh, of this. And if you read my, my article this, this week, I, I lived in a different place. I've, I've experienced some of this. I lived in a place where white people were the minority. I was a wildly diverse community. I listened to a lot of stories. And so uh, I'm, I'm not an expert on diversity. But, but I did learn a few things uh, along the way. And I'd, I'd like to kind of talk about those uh, a little bit. And so, uh, number one, don't confuse the individual with the group. Individuals commit sins, not groups. Uh, and this is just a thing about, about how we think about these sorts of things. Um, uh, we have a tendency to think a, a little bit uh, that, that, you know, uh, the police, I hear it on TV where the police are all bad. The police did not kill, uh, kill this man. A police officer killed this man. Okay, George Floyd died by the hands of one particular cop that was a bad cop. And the police I've seen all have, have rebuked this and have said it's bad, it's bad. And then black people are not destroying property, individuals are destroying property, all right? And so don't confuse the individual with the group. Individuals commit sins, not groups. And it's really easy sometimes to do that. That's a part of our intelligence is that we generalize. And so uh, if you've only had a few experiences with uh, police officers and they were all bad, you can tend to think that all police officers are bad. Or you've only had a few experiences with uh, people from other cultures 
cultures, and then you start to think, well, all of them are bad. That, that is not the case. Uh, hold the individual responsible, not the group, okay? Uh, and so um, don't fall into false dichotomies is how I want to say this a little bit. And I know dichotomies is kind of a big thing, but dichotomies is a this or that kind of a thinking rather than both and kind of a thinking. So sometimes I, I hear people talking about uh, the cops versus the protesters. That's, that's, that's dichotomy. It's like either the cops or the protesters. That's not right. Cops uh, and peaceful protesters are the good guys. They're together on the same side. Rioters, killers, vandals, and thieves, they're the bad guys. And it doesn't matter whether they're a cop or whether they're uh, a part of the protesters. The issue is our behavior, not not the group. Don't, don't fall into false dichotomies. So if you want to sound uh, like, uh, you know, well, I don't know. If you want to show off a little, say that's a false dichotomy. Both things can be true. A false dichotomy is when we think one thing has to be true or the other thing, but both can't be true. Uh, then that's a, that's a false dichotomy. So um, another thing is every group has bad apples. Don't judge the whole by the one. Now, this, this one is personal for me, okay? Every group has bad apples, don't judge the whole by the one. And, and let me tell you why this one is kind of personal for me, because I'm a member of the clergy. That's kind of my professional group. And most of you, if you've been tuned into the news over the last decade or two, uh, clergy have got a really bad eye, like black eye lately. Um, in fact, just recently I, I read in the paper that, that one of the pastors that was involved with the, the funds for Oso, uh, he's just been sentenced for stealing a bunch of money from them. And it's just like, Golly, I just hate that when that happens because it gives a bad name to the clergy and, and in, gives a bad name to the church. And, and whenever I talk to people that are kind of bitter about church anyway, they'll bring that kind of stuff up. Yeah, you guys are all thieves, you know, and, and they're just in it for the money and all those sorts of things. And, and so uh, it, it's just hard for me. And, and even more than that, in, in, in the world of the clergy, we've, we've struggled for a while there with pedophiles. And, and then even beyond that was that, that people in power were covering up for those sort of people. And it just, it just, terribly wounded the clergy. Clergy used to be amongst the most trusted people in the nation, and we've just fallen hugely because of that. And a part of that is because they, they, people kind of misunderstand the, the one, the bad apple, and they communicate it to the whole, to, to all of them. And the truth of the matter is the vast majority of pastors are people that love their people and serve them and sacrifice to serve them and would do anything for them and would not harm them under any circumstances. But yet, some people judge the whole group by the bad apple, okay? Uh, and and, and I, I saw this in other places. My mom, you know, you guys know I grew up medical, uh, and my mom told me one day, uh, years after it had happened, but when she was part of her career, she was helping out in surgery. She was a surgery nurse, and, and there was a particular doctor that came in drunk to do a surgery. And through that course of that surgery, she had to correct him several times with medications and things like, ooh, don't give him that, let's do this, you know, that, that, that sort of thing. The bad apple, medicine, med doctors are some of the highest uh, people for the level of trust they have, and yet there's bad apples, there are bad doctors. The same is true of cops. They're, they're the vast majority of cops, and I've known quite a few of them over the years, are great people that, that love their work and, and love what they do, and they got into it because they want to help people. But there are bad apples. And in all of these categories, what I have found out is the bad apple is always the one that gets on TV. Have you noticed that? 
It drives me crazy. But, but they're, they're not. They don't, don't, every group has bad apples. Don't judge the whole uh, by the one. Even your profession probably has some bad apples in it that you hope these folks don't become a, 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 pro, a problem. And protesters, most protesters want peace. Uh, most cops want safety for all regardless of color. Don't judge them by the bad apples. And so um, get your teams right. The good cops, and which is the vast majority of them, and the peaceful protesters are the good guys, and the folks that are tearing stuff up and killing people, those are, are the bad guys, and we support the good guys in all of this. Uh, and then uh, another one um, is that uh, two wrongs don't make a, a right. Um, the, point out the other side. I, I hear this when people say they argue one side or, or the other side, and, and what they want to do is then point out the other side, you know, well, you did this. Um, and that, that's worse. And, and it very well may be. It may be that what the other side did was much worse than, than what your side did. But it doesn't change the fact that our side did something wrong, right? And so um, it, it's important to us that, that we, we take care of our own stuff, that we own what we did wrong. I, I see this with, with the police. They are owning that that particular cop did a very bad thing and and. They, they've disavowed that. I, I love that they own that. And, and I'm seeing the, the, some leadership on the other side that's disavowing and distancing themselves from those people that are being destructive in all of this. And, and we don't want to be a part of that. We, we, we want to own what we do. In fact, Jesus talked about this when he, when he said to, to take the beam out of your own eye before you tried to get the small fleck of dust out of the other person's eye. Clean up our own house first. And another one that comes to mind, this, is, this one's really hard because it makes it hard to criticize anybody. When he says, he who is without sin can cast the first stone. Oh man, that means we're never going to get to throw stones. And that was kind of his, his point, that there's to be no excuses uh, about this kind of thing. So two wrongs don't make, make it right. So when you hear yourself going, yeah, but they did, that's not biblical. That's not the way Jesus talked about it, okay? Uh, the truth is there's deep divisions in our, in our nation uh, these days. Uh, politicians, sadly, politicians are dividing us on, on both sides rather than pulling us together and shame on them for that. And, and the truth, though, for us as followers of Jesus is this, and this, I find this really comforting. Some people don't, but I do. All politics are passing away. The kingdom of God is forever. That's how I finally kind of got away from listening to a lot of political stuff, was I realized that, that politics will go away, but the kingdom of God is here forever. Christianity has survived through all kinds of political stuff, beginning with a Roman emperor and moving through all sorts of different kinds of government and all those sorts of things, and, and they've all passed away, you know, and, and what's going on now, that, this will pass away too. The, the kingdom of God will last forever. We need to be committed to the kingdom first through all of this. In fact, the divisions in our body, this is what, what gives me great pause. The divisions in our nation are seeping into the body of Christ. I'm seeing this increasingly in churches where, where there's division within the church over political things or over racial things or over whatever, policy and COVID-19 and people are really upset as to, should we do it this way, should we do it that way, all of those sorts of things. And um, Let me say this one more time. The division in our nation... The divisions in our nation are seeping into the body of Christ. Let that sink in for a minute. The polluted atmosphere of our country's dialogue is infecting the very body of Christ on earth. 
When I caught on to that image, I found it really disturbing. I, I, I don't want the, the world out there to get into our hearts in here. I, I don't want all that garbage, you know, let the outside world, talk about becoming worldly. This is becoming worldly when the way the world does th- things becomes the way the church does things. That's not the kingdom of God. And this deeply worries me. In fact, sometimes I wake up at night worrying uh, about this as I see people struggling with, with how to go about all of these things. And, and then, okay, so now I'm going to get myself in trouble just a little bit, okay? God may or may not care about the particulars of our current political debate. He always cares about and will hold us accountable for how we treat each other when we disagree. Let me say that again. God may or may not care about the particulars of our current political debate. But he always cares about and will hold us accountable for how we treat each other when we disagree. It matters to him how we treat each other. Our political views uh, may, or not be, may or may not be spiritual, okay? Everybody has a different opinion about some of that stuff. A lot of that the Bible doesn't speak to the particulars of, you know. It doesn't speak to fiscal policy exactly. It doesn't speak to a lot of things. But it does speak to how we treat each other when we disagree, how we talk to each other. How we treat each other when we disagree, that is spiritual, Guarantee that is spiritual, and it's really important uh, to the kingdom uh, of God about how we treat one another. So I'm going to be a little bit harsh here, okay? So hold on. Hope you love your pastor, okay? Talking about politics, race, or whatever, and you can't be nice, stop and step away. If you can't be nice, if it, if it turns angry, if you feel the blood pressure going up, okay, step away. Stop and step away because... One day, you're going to give account for those words. That's what the scripture says. And it is better to lose an argument than to lose your soul. Now, I'm talking specifically to those of you people who are wired up like me, okay? I, I enjoy a good argument. I remind you, I was captain of my speech and debate team when, when I was in high school. And I like to argue for the sake of arguing. There was a period in my life where I would argue with people until they changed their mind. And then I would switch sides and see if I could argue them back up to the other one. So this, 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 these words are to me more than any of the rest of you. But better to lose an argument than to lose our souls. Okay. In fact, my mom used to say it like this. If you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. How many have heard that someplace along the line? Those, those are good words. Those are good words for us, that we be kind and generous to one another in the midst, okay? And again, this shouldn't need to be said, but I'm going to say it. It's not okay to hurt each other with your actions or with your words. In fact, we are to protect to guard one another. We're to watch out for one another. We're to lay our lives down for each other. We're especially to watch out for the vulnerable. Every time Jesus encountered the vulnerable, he stood up for them. Whether it was a woman accused of adultery, and she was guilty, but they wanted to stone her, and he stood up for her. Whether it was small children, or, or whether it was a woman that had a bunch of husbands, or, or whatever it was, he stood up for her. Not only did he not harm the people he could have harmed, he stood up for them. He guarded them. He, he protected them. He, he cared about them, the, the vulnerable, the least, the last, and the lost. And, and, and that's why I think a lot of this about Black Lives Matter kind of thing, because we're, we're seeing that, that for some reason, because of prejudice and racism, they get picked on a lot more for these things. And, oh, the stories I, I could tell you that I, 
that I heard when I pastored a number of people uh, that, that were black. It, it's, we stand up for the vulnerable, okay? Uh, and and that, that stands for the cops too, by the way. I think the two that, that, that I think really are legitimate is Black Lives Matter and Blue Lives Matter because we have cops that are out there doing the thing and doing the right job and they're trying to protect us all and then they get attacked. That, that's, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong, okay? And so we should stand up for, for both of those uh, people uh, no matter what we're doing. So um, it's, it's not okay uh, to hurt each other. That's antithetical to the, to the cause of Christ. And so uh, oneness matters a lot to Jesus. So we should be extremely careful what we allow to separate us. In fact, the last prayer Jesus kind of had with the disciples before the cross was, Lord, make them one. That always has baffled me because I think I would have said, Lord, give them power. Or I would have said, Lord, Father, protect them. Or I would have said, Father, make them smarter than they really are. Or I would have, you know, there are all kinds of things I would have, that way down the list would have been, Lord, make them one. But I think Jesus knew it was going to be hard for us to be one. And if we got separated, the evil one would pick us off. I mean, that's just kind of a classic sort of thing. You always separate the weakest one from the herd. The wolves do that so they can get them. And so if we're one, we're in much better shape. Lord, make them one. In fact, the greatest commandment was love God with all of your, your being. And they wouldn't stop there. And the second one is just like it, which means you can't separate it. Love the people around you like family. All of your religion has to be built on that. Everyone we come in contact with is, is a part of the family of God. Now, again, some of them are lost and they need to come back uh, to Christ. And, and that's super important. But, but they are a part of what God has created. Uh, and, and by the way, God has a great plan for when someone offends you. When you're listening to some guy going off politically or you disagree with somebody about racial stuff or about the cops or you disagree with somebody about the, the looters and, and all of that, here's God's plan for dealing with that. Forgiveness. It'll set you free. It'll set you free. And it'll keep that from boiling up in you and making you more and more angry. Forgiveness is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And so Jesus commands us to love each other, no exceptions. Not skin color, not the uniform they wear, not sexual preference, not politics. Love each other, no exceptions. This isn't optional. It, it isn't aspirational. Uh, we are to live this way here and now and in this place. It's not something we're supposed to get when we get to heaven. It's live it now. And that's hard. And, and so following Christ is, is hard because we've got to love people that drive us crazy and that are wrong. I think I did a whole sermon on that, okay? In fact... Today, our denomination is calling for today to be a day of prayer and fasting for change. I think that means change uh, for, for people of color and how they get treated. And that means change for cops and how they get treated. It means change in our, in our hearts. And again, if you read my article, I, I, I think where the really change begins is with me. I have to do this in my life. I've been challenged again to come back and address some of those issues in my life. And so I want to invite you to do that as well, that this day, this day you would pray for change and for the change that God wants, which may not be the change I want or the change you want, but the change we really need. Jesus uh, has come to, to make a difference in, in our world, to eliminate hatred and violence. Uh, and, and honestly, hatred and violence will never solve the problem. Simply getting a bigger and better weapon isn't going to work. The only thing that will work is to love our neighbor. That's the thing that changes somebody from the inside out, and we do it one person at 
a time. I love my neighbors and my neighbors love their neighbors and the world has changed and that's why Christianity has traveled all around the world because we did it one neighbor at a time. And the truth is you don't even have to agree with somebody to be kind to each other. I mean, that's just normal sort of stuff. We used to call that, that manners, right? So, so you disagree with someone, that's fine. That's fine. I, I, one of the things that helped me during my struggle with, with debating with people all the time was someone, sometimes someone said to me, uh, and I know why they picked me out in particular to say this, but they said to me, Craig, you do not have to show up to every fight you're invited to. And I was like, Really? I thought I had to fight for everything, you know, and I'm so glad I got a hold of that before internet and Facebook came along, because I see all kinds of stuff I disagree with, and it just, it just slides right on by, okay? You don't, you don't have to agree with people uh, to be kind to them. And so let me finish with this. There used to be a, a thing that was going around, they even had bracelets, and the question on the bracelet was, what would Jesus do? That's a really good question, and maybe we need to bring that back. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do when he's dealing with, with issues of, of race that make us feel uncomfortable? What would Jesus do when dealing with, with police officers or, or with people who are mistreating police officers and making their lives dangerous? What would, what would Jesus do when dealing with people of different political stripes? They were always trying to catch Jesus up into political stuff about the emperor and the king and all of that kind of stuff. What, what would Jesus do? And what Jesus would do is the law of love. You want to know what law we follow? We follow the law of love. We extend the gift of forgiveness to those who have harmed us. You know, he said to turn the other cheek when people harm us. And we're, sometimes I think we're reaching for a weapon to let them know or we're going to straighten them out. Everyone is made in God's image. Whatever the color of their skin, whatever their culture, whatever language, whatever uniform they, they wear, what, whatever things they're doing, maybe stuff that we don't agree with. We look at their lifestyle and go, that is not, that's, that doesn't reflect God in the kingdom. God loves those people. God loves those people. And so should we. That's what he calls us to do. I want to conclude today with the Lord's table. Um, and so if you haven't yet gotten the elements, I would encourage you uh, to get the elements together, um, the bread and the juice. And while you're doing that, I just want to remind you that uh, when Jesus instituted this, it started with a Passover meal. And Scripture records that, that when Jesus got there, they were fighting. The disciples were fighting, you know. They're about to have one of the most important events in the history of the world, and they're fighting. And they're fighting over who was right. Who's the most important? I'm the most important. No, you're the most important. I think he's the most important. They're in this giant argument. And in the, in the midst of this argument, Jesus washed their feet, did the humblest of, of things to serve them. And so you want to know what I think is a model for the church when we deal with all of this craziness that's going on out there? Lord, make us servants. Whose feet can I wash? Who can I serve? Someone that, that, that maybe I wouldn't normally serve. And, and Judas was in that crowd. Talk about someone you wouldn't want your whole group de defined by. I mean, think about that. I mean, if you defined all the disciples by Judas, we'd miss everything. And so he washed their feet and he prayed for them. And then he gave, him, gave them the Lord's, the Lord's Supper together. The ultimate symbol of oneness, of communion, of fellowship. Uh, of celebration of what God has done and a reminder to us that one day we will take this together in heaven and it's not going to be like all the white folks in one place and and you know the black folks here and the brown folks there and and, and around and it's not going to be broken up by culture and it's not going to be broken up by by any of that sort of stuff we are going to be one together with him 
And so I remind you that we come to the Lord's table with celebration for what he has done for all of us and thankfulness for salvation in Christ Jesus. Let's worship the Lord through his table. Let me ask God's blessing upon the elements here and everywhere we are worshiping together. Father God, Lord, in this troubling time that we live, where it just seems like chaos outside our walls, things we don't understand, things we have strong opinions about, things we are afraid of, things that trouble us greatly, Father, I pray that you would make us one. Lord, I know that oneness doesn't mean we always agree with one another. It means we love each other through the midst of the disagreements. And so, Father, I pray as we gather at your table that whatever the color of the skin, whatever the language or culture, whatever the uniform that is worn, Father, that you would remind us that we are one and we come to the table of the Lord where the ground is level for everyone, Father. I ask, Lord, that through these elements that you would again do the miracle of extending grace to us. Extend to us, Father, as we take the elements, the grace to forgive those that we struggle with, Lord. Give us the grace, Father, to, to make a change, to do different. To, rather than blame others, to examine our own hearts and ask where we can do better, Father. And I pray that you would reveal that to us in this moment. For we are reminded that on the night you were betrayed, you took the bread, and when you had given thanks... You broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is broken for you. Whenever you do this, remember. Remember what I have done for you. Remember that you are one. Remember that we will celebrate this together in eternity one day. The body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ preserve us blameless. Let us take and eat the body. After supper, he took the cup, and when he had again given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, This is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Whenever you do this, remember. Remember what I've done for you. Remember the price of your salvation. Remember that we are bound together by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ preserve us blameless unto everlasting life. Let us drink and be thankful. Father God, we have come to your table. We have heard your word, and it challenges us. <laughs> we have eaten the bread that is your broken body. We have drunk the juice, Father, that represents your blood. I pray, Father, now that you would change us and transform us and make us like Jesus, Father. Make us vessels of grace and love in a very, very broken world, Father, to your glory and honor. And we ask this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.